Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast, where we fight injustice one podcast at a time. What does it mean to be woke? Well, it means to be racist against whites, sexist against men, and bigoted against straights. And we're anti that here, so it makes us this century's uh, Rosa Parks, Hugo Chavez, and Celine Dion all rolled into one. So let's start by joking around with stuff you should never joke around with. How many more qualified white men did Disney have to pass over to hire LaTondra Newton? And then when Disney wants to fire her, how many white men do they have to fire alongside her so it doesn't look bad? When I say homo, I don't mean it as an insult, like, can a homo be transphobic, but not homophobic? If I meant it as an insult, I would tell you, like, LeBron James is a homo. There, I meant it as an insult. What's the opposite of a straight white male? Is it a gay, queer, black woman in a wheelchair with Down syndrome? Is that like the exact opposite? All right, we finished building our submarine and we did it without any 50-year-old white men being involved. Sweet, now let's go see the Titanic. All right, now on with the rest of the podcast. Home na lady, homo na lady, you're my butterfly, sugar baby. They found the remains of another kind of archaic human ancestor in a, some caves in South Africa. They're called Homo Naledi. But I was listening to, I think the economists talk about it, and I, I was like, my lady? Homo my lady? And I think they're from 100,000 years before humans showed up, Homo sapiens. And what's interesting about them is they had a, a small brain but they buried their people and they did cave paintings. So their brain was like one third the size of a human brain. And so I looked up chimps and gorillas and their brains are about one third the size of a human brain. And so I think scientists thought you had to have a certain size brain before you would start doing ritual burials of your dead and any sort of cave paintings. And then you know, whatever size brain they thought you needed, well, shows you that uh, you could have about a, you know, a gorilla, maybe even smaller than the biggest gorilla brain, and you can do that stuff. And apparently, they were like bad artists. You know, their cave paintings were not as good as Homo sapien cave paintings. And I haven't heard uh, if there's Homo naledi DNA in humans today. Um, I mentioned last week that the Khoisan, which is kind of a tribe of Africans in South Africa, the same country, uh, they're, the, they're the most um, ancient type of DNA for humans. Um, I wonder if they got some homo naledi in them. And New York got their money, their first year's money of taxing legal marijuana, and they got $50 million, which is a lot less than other big states, California got $400 million in taxes. Uh, Illinois and Chicago, they got like $250 million. And apparently New York was trying to do kind of like reparations for people who went to prison for marijuana possession because they said you can only open a marijuana store 
if you have previously gone to prison for marijuana. And that limited it to so few people that I guess today there's now 12 legal marijuana stores, but all the bodegas, the little shops across New York were just like, okay, we're gonna sell marijuana anyways. And so that meant it's, it's not taxed and New York didn't get their money. And I don't know if they did, I don't know if they brought race into the, you know, the marijuana criminal situation. I mean, I would think that they would, but I didn't hear that they did, so maybe they didn't. But maybe it's just a bunch of rich, white kids who <laughs> were able to run the paperwork gauntlet. Like, I live in Oregon, and we got marijuana stores, and it's whatever. The people behind the counters and the owners of the stores, they're all the same. They're all white men, ages maybe 25 to 40. In southern Oregon, where I live, it's, it's one of the weed capitals of the world. Um, Humboldt County, California, is more famous, but... I mean, we're, we're right there with them and uh, B.C. for growing weed. And at this point, I think I mentioned last week, like I, I, got, I bought a, I, I started setting it up. I, I bought a 25-foot wide, 100-foot long steel frame greenhouse for 250 bucks off of Facebook Marketplace the other day. And that's because all these giant grow operations have stopped making money because it's, it's basically legal, Why you know, Drugs are drugs are valuable if you got to fight the cops, but when you don't have to fight the cops over it, they become cheap. And so all these greenhouses are going for sale. But uh, the thing is, where I live, at least, marijuana is basically free. Like, you know, if a teenager wanted some marijuana, they could just, you know, it's, it's, you have to do it at the right time of year, but, you know, you could just, I don't know, it'd be like, uh, I mean, this is an exaggeration, but it'd be like corn in Iowa. If some teenager was like, man, I really want to eat corn for dinner, they could just walk down the street, take a few steps off into a field, grab an ear of corn, and take it home. And it is not that different from marijuana in southern Oregon. And it makes me wonder if that's having any detrimental effects on the kids these days. I mean, you hear about social media and all the girls in high school being queer and stuff. I don't, I mean, I don't think they're smoking a ton of weed, but maybe they are. Instead of the internet, it's marijuana making girls queer? I don't know. And the big story every day this week was some rich people went down to see the Titanic in a submarine, and then they went missing, and it turns out the thing imploded on the way down. But the media covered it. They're like, if it didn't implode, then they have... I don't know what it was, four days of oxygen. So every day the media was like, they only have three days of oxygen left. And then the next day, two days, etc. And I watch NBC Nightly News to, you know, that's my window on what the media is feeding the public. You know, the they're the trough. They're putting a slop in the trough. And they just didn't bring on people who said, oh, they're probably dead. You know, there's a 97% chance they're already dead, which is, I think that's what everyone thought. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, well, they're probably dead. But anyways, that was just, that was not something that the media, you know, if they, I guess if they interviewed some expert and the expert said that they're probably dead, then they did not put that expert on TV. I think the media is just like, they just lie. They lie about everything, lie by omission, get an expert who lies, etc. Um, and they just done it so much because of Trump and Black Lives Matter and politics that now they do it about 
submarine stuff. And there was a little woke, anti-woke stuff. I mean, the five people who went down, three of them were white men, I don't know, ages probably 50 to 70. And then two of them, it was a, a billionaire from maybe Pakistan and his son, younger son. So the only young person was the son. But anyways, the owner of the company that made this sub that apparently wasn't safe, he had made a statement saying that he did not like hiring white men. He said 50-year-old white men were not inspirational. So he was trying to hire, I don't know, submarine engineers who were not 50-year-old white men. And then basically the sub was full of 50-year-old white men. So I don't think he actually succeeded <laughs> in hiring non-white men who were older, but, uh, but I guess he tried. Or if he did succeed, then death by woke. And there was a prison riot in Honduras where 40 people got killed, but it was a women's prison. And I think it was, it was MS-13 was one of the gangs and 18th Street was another one. I think these are all like LA gangs. Um, anyways, the gangs have taken over the women's prison to the point where they are killing each other. Women don't normally do that. So, I mean, that's gotta be the most people killed at a women's prison riot ever. And then I learned a new term, um, van lord. Like, you know, car, van, landlord, van lord. So in LA, you can rent a van, you know, be a homeless person in a van and you can rent one and they cost 300 to $700 a month. I think it was the BBC podcast talking about it, but they were interviewing some guy and he, he was paying $300 a month and the owner of his van was in prison. So he was sending the money to that guy. And then they were talking about a different van lord who rented a RV that had no engine and he would just, he would tow the RV to a new spot every few months to, I guess, throw off the cops. And it sounded like maybe he had more than one RV that he rented out. I mean, you could make a lot of money. And LA is thinking about passing some laws against van lords. Makes me think of a buddy. He was, he was scrapping cars when the price of steel was super high, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. That's when all the classic cars, or what are now considered collectible classic cars, they disappeared when Obama did that cash for clunkers thing at the same time that steel prices were high and all the cool cars disappeared. And today, used cars are super expensive. But, so my buddy, he was, he was, he was scrapping cars. You know, he, he would just like, he'd buy a car for like $500 if he could get it running good enough to get to the scrapyard, they'd give him a grand or something. I forget how much it was. In fact, those numbers are wrong. But anyways, that's what he would do. But I remember one time, he's like, wow, I'm making money off of these cars. I'll get an RV, a motorhome. You know, how much does that thing weigh? It's going to be amazing. And they got aluminum shell, and the aluminum gets you a lot more money than steel, and the steel frame, and the engine, and the blah, blah. But it turns out they will not take RVs because the inside, you know, it's like a house. Basically, it's a house on wheels. So there's fiberglass, and sheetrock, and, you know shelves and cupboards and couches and anyways the scrapyards would not take that they did not want to throw that into their hammer mill and grind it up and so i think my buddy ended up just living in the thing for a while and he could be a van lord now if he still had it and i think the supreme court is going to rule on affirmative action in this coming week um 
And in this past week, they ruled on whether or not white people can adopt Native American kids if the tribe doesn't want them to. So apparently, normally, the way the law works for anything to do with kids is what's in the best interest of the child. Like, that's how you decide. You know, are we going to do this or are we going to do that? Well, which thing is in the best interest of the child? So do that one. But the Supreme Court sided with the tribes and they said, you know, even if this would mean that the kid is going to the family where, I think in this case, it was a little girl to go to the family, the white family that was raising her brother, and the mom of the little girl who was too drugged out to take care of her wanted the little girl to go to the nice white family that was raising the brother really well. And I think there was more stuff, like the tribe had tried to take away the brother from the family and... I don't know, like five years ago, and then they gave up on that because it was so obviously a better place for the kid to live. You know, he'd been a foster care, gone to adoption. Anyways, every single thing you could possibly line up in favor of this little girl going to live with this white family that was going to take care of her great, the Supreme Court said, too bad, the, the tribe can send her to live with some other tribe that isn't them. And to go, I don't know, I think foster care... I think they were like, we're going to put her in foster care for a, that's in a different tribe, but at least it's a Native American system. And the Supreme Court said, you know, some, because of some treaty or whatever, basically they're like, anyways, they chose, they chose the Native Americans. The Native Americans can do everything that's against the interest of the child uh, because white people did stuff that was bad to Native Americans in the past. So basically... You, in, this, this, in this Native American adoption, you can discriminate against white people. So that was a recent Supreme Court ruling. And then a few weeks ago, they said, when it comes to black voting in the South, you can discriminate against white people. And so then we got affirmative action coming up this week. So there's three big race things. And two out of the three, even the conservative justices, have said, yes, you can discriminate against white people because of past injustices. And so... Does that mean they're going to have the trifecta and say, you know what, affirmative action can stand, you can discriminate against white people the third way, and all the conservatives will, you know, rubber stamp it or put their stamp on it? Or are they like, we don't want people to call us racist when we strike down affirmative action, so let's, you know, let's do the discrimination against white people on the two smaller cases. That way it doesn't look so bad when we say you can't discriminate against whites in the big case. We don't know. We'll, we'll find out this week. Bud Light tweeted the other day. Uh, I'm not sure if it's their first tweet after the transgender boycott thing. But, you know, maybe it's the first or second tweet since then. And then people on Twitter have been criticizing them, replying with criticism. Uh, I guess what they're doing now, I got this from Mike, Mark Dice on, the, on YouTube. I, I didn't want to see it for myself. But people are replying to Bud Light's tweet. I think they said TGIF. Anywho, the replies are pictures of transgender surgeries. And not just top surgery mastectomy scars, but bottom surgeries. And Twitter allows free speech, but I would think there'd be... I mean, I doubt doubt the people who had the surgery and then had a picture taken of them... uh, or, you know, wanted their surgery pictures put on a Bud Light tweet. So, I don't know if that, that might be breaking some rules. 
And Elon Musk said in a tweet that cis for cisgender is now hate speech, or it's a slur on Twitter, because some gay man, I guess he wasn't woke enough, the transgender people were calling him a sissy, but, you know, with a C. So it's not clear if people are going to get their accounts suspended for saying cisgender on there now. And then you may have heard that the army, probably the whole military, is having recruitment problems. No one wants to sign up. And the secretary of the army, which is... And I never heard of this. It's, it's a white lady. She... She's some military, she's a civilian. She was a, you know, she was a military civilian person under Trump. So, you know, she's just, she's part of the military industrial complex. Doesn't matter if you got a Republican or a Democrat president. You just, this lady is the through line. One of many. And apparently Secretary of Defense, that's the top, like, political military person. And then right, right below him is the Secretary of the Army. So that's, that's who this lady is. And so she said in a speech that woke was a problem for the military. But what she, what she was saying was that people calling the army woke was the problem. Not that the army was getting woke as hell, which it is. That's fine. That's wonderful. Diversity is their strength. But people calling them woke was the problem. And apparently the army ha- spent six million man hours on diversity last year. And so no one's calling it a boycott like with Bud Light, but, um, you know, maybe no one just, you know, being in the Army just doesn't sound like a good job right now. Unemployment is low. Or maybe there is kind of a boycott going of the Army, and it's and it's actually hitting them pretty hard. And, of course, they have no plans to change uh, diversity. So there's the phrase, diversity is our strength, or diversity is a strength. And to my knowledge, every credible study that has looked into whether or not, you know, a diverse, you know, put it, putting together a, di- a diverse team and then having them try and achieve some difficult goal, um, you know, do they achieve the goal better if they're diverse? And every study I know of, the answer is no. More diversity means less ability to solve difficult situations. And I guess... You know, this is 1984 stuff. If diversity is actually a weakness, what do you do about that? I think you say diversity is a strength. Hunter Biden got a sweetheart of a deal from the DOJ, maybe. Uh, I mean, I think... I don't know. I think, I think the Biden DOJ wanted to get the Hunter Biden thing over with, and so... They've been doing this case for years, you never heard nothing, and then boom, it's over with a plea deal, no jail time. And people are comparing it to Donald Trump's legal troubles, which, I don't know, like I, you know, like I said before, you can throw Trump in jail, I just want Biden thrown in jail. And so now, these tax charges cannot be used as leverage to get Hunter Biden to turn on his dad, and he probably would have. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, do presidents let themselves be taken down, they have all the power. Of course they're not going to let themselves be taken down. And then was Hunter Biden treated differently? Uh, According to Sarah Isker, who's my uh, muse on legal stuff, she says that the crimes that he committed, usually the DOJ would not even charge you with tax evasion, but 
that if they did charge you with tax evasion, it'd be a felony and you'd be going to prison. So that's a half full, half empty, I don't know. And then I was getting ready to take my daily nap the other day and I heard that there was a coup in Russia. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take my nap and I'll wake up and see if there really was a coup in Russia. And when I woke up, there wasn't one. And so the head of the Wagner group, he took his Wagner soldiers, they took over like a army base, a big one that was where they were running the Ukraine war out of. It's, you know, it's a big city in Russia. Roskova, I think. I think Ross means Russia, so Russia Kova. And Kova probably means Russia. Russia, Russia. Or does Kova mean like hot chick? I don't know. Kornikova. Anyways, he took maybe 5,000 of his 25,000 soldiers. This is according to the, the head of Wagner. Anyways, he goes on the internet and tells everyone exactly what's going on. Maybe he's lying, but he doesn't usually lie. And he went uh, hundreds of kilometers. Apparently that's how they measure stuff in Russia. And he got within 200 kilometers of Moscow. And then apparently he had a phone call with Putin and he turned his thing around and he went over to Belarus, which is one of the, you know, it's another country that's kind of run by Russia. I can't remember the Wagner guy's name. I, I totally know it. It starts with a P. But um, he hates the people in charge of the army. So the people who are the people right below Putin. He hates numbers two and three, and he's in a feud with them. And so, anyway, so the Wagner guy, he's going to Belarus with his army. And currently, I mean, I think the thing changes every 12 hours, but... Uh, He's not going to be charged with anything, and then we'll, he's in Belarus, and we'll see what happens. And then a YouTube guy I watch who keeps track of the war, he has a theory. He's just saying, this is just a pure theory, because literally no one knows, unless you're maybe Putin. But he thinks he made a deal with, oh, he thinks Putin is dying, that he has Parkinson's and cancer. Prescovich? Damn, that's almost it. Anyways, and the Wagner guy, uh, he wants to be president after Putin dies. And so to make that happen, he needs people who are friendly to him to replace the top two, well, numbers two and three, in the Kremlin. And, I mean, whatever. We'll just see what happens. Um, I think they did shoot down some helicopters uh, on their way towards Moscow. So they didn't, kill, they didn't get in any firefights on the ground. And apparently a lot of Russian soldiers like the Wagner guy more than... They, they hate. They hate the people in charge of the army. And so, as he was going along, it's, it's a freeway M4, highway M4 in Russia. Apparently, the soldiers he met along the way were like, setting down their weapons, or, hey, can we join you, or... So anyways, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy I watch on YouTube, he thinks that the numbers two and three, uh, they're going to get replaced with people who are friendly with Wagner. I think numbers two and three had started making the motions to merge Wagner into the general army and get, get rid of the, the head of Wagner. And so that was when he made this march. And there's talk, anyway, it doesn't matter. There's all sorts of little things going on, but we just don't know. So kind of like there's talk that Biden might be on the cusp of getting rock solidly proved to have taken money from Ukraine. There's talk about aliens and UFOs. And some, think, some people think we're, you know, we're about to get the proof, finally. And I'm not the first to say this, but basically, PICS or GTFO.
I don't want to hear some guy saying that he saw an alien. I think what we're, I think what's came out recently was some guy talked to some guy who saw an alien. That the military has multiple spaceships and alien corpses. Well, even if you saw it personally, I don't believe it. I mean, everyone has the equivalent of a high-definition, you know, futuristic movie studio in their pocket. It's called an iPhone. So I don't want to hear tales of aliens. And also, I don't want to see low-resolution pictures and videos, black and white. Can't quite tell what you're looking at. I mean, you know, give me high HDTV or GTFO. It's time to celebrate Juneteenth on the Anti-Woke Podcast. Now, we don't celebrate it on the 19th. We celebrate it afterwards when we hear about how many people murdered each other in celebration. And this year, Juneteenth landed on a Monday, so I don't think you got as many murders as you might have. You know, if it had been a weekend, if it had been a Saturday night, let's say, it would have been more special. But basically, we got pretty much just the average number of murders uh, for a nice summer June weekend. There was a mass shooting in Chicago where 23 people were hit, uh, but only one died. So, you know, that's not a big deal, I guess, if only one dies. But 23, I mean, that's, that's getting your Juneteenth on. And we currently don't know who the suspects are or how many of them, but it's going to be some number of young black men. So it's not going to be an AR-15 thing. I mean, basically, the media, uh, they're... They mentioned it on the day that it happened, but uh, radio silence after that. I mean, if you know, I guess we know it was not a white man. We would have heard that already. And I wasn't sure which of the teen dates was Juneteenth. I mean, you know, it could have been 13th, 16th, but anyways, it's 19th for Juneteenth. And it's not exactly a misspelling. I'm not sure what it, what do you call it when you put two words together? It might be a portmanteau, but I'm not sure. I guess this isn't charitable, but it just made me think of how, I don't know, like rappers, certain certain black celebrities or whatever, black culture, they like to misspell stuff on purpose. I don't know, it makes you think uh, like America with three Ks or the plural of the soft R N-word that has a Z on the end instead of an S for... Like, Inwards for Life, I think that was uh, some rap album. I mean, kind of like Woke. Um, It's just, that's not misspelling it, but it's uh, using the wrong tense. Like, past tense for present or something. So it's kind of like an Ebonics or a Black Scent holiday. We put it into federal law. And I looked up the federal holidays. We got seven of them. One of them is George Washington's birthday. I I thought they took... I thought they took Washington and Lincoln, who each had their own holidays, and they put them together and called it President's Day, but I guess it's, at least officially, it's George Washington's birthday, and now Lincoln doesn't get one, I think. Maybe Lincoln got rolled into Martin Luther King Day? But so now we got, so two out of the seven are Juneteenth and MLK Day, so that's, um, I think that's 28% of the federal holidays are related to, I don't know, black stuff. So yeah, 28% of them is like, it's about, it's almost exactly double the amount 
of the population of black people in America, which is 13.5% or something. So it's a little bit of reparations. They get double the amount of federal holidays because of evil white people in the past. And it makes me think of the Supreme Court. There's nine of those, and they had one black justice, but he was a conservative, so... You know, people are like, we need, to have a, we need to have a black justice. Well, you have one. He's a conservative. It's like, no, no, that doesn't count. So anyways, now we have a liberal black justice on there. So anyways, they got, once again, it's roughly double the percent of the population. So reparations. And I should learn more about the exact timeline of Juneteenth. But um, it's not the day the slaves were freed by Lincoln. It was the day the slaves were freed in, it was either in all of Texas or maybe the last part of Texas that hadn't freed them or something. And I know it's not the last slaves that were freed because Native Americans had some slaves that they didn't free until a while later. But basically, that doesn't count. So the last slaves being freed, I guess from white people, there we go. Juneteenth is the last slaves being freed from white people, not the last slaves being freed. And boy, when you put it that way, so it's not the general freeing of the slaves, it's not the last freeing of the slaves, it's the last freeing of slaves held by white people, so that sounds like it's also fuck whites. I guess, surprise, surprise, am I surprised by that? Uh, no, but... I, you know, I think I'm always looking for that. I seem to find it every time. Um, is it really there, or is it just me looking for it? Confirmation bias. And then I had a crazy thought. Um, it kind of commemorates the victory of woke over the anti-woke. I mean, no one supports slavery today. Um, but if you were going to divide America back in the 1860s into woke and anti-woke, um, I mean, you know, how, how, how would you divide it, dear listener? Who would you put in each group? Uh, you know, maybe that's going too far, just joking around. Made me chuckle to think of that. Um, another thing that made me chuckle was uh, I would have been a nice slave owner. I wouldn't have kicked him out of bed for eating crackers. Disney fired their chief diversity officer, Latondra Newton. And so, in the last six months, Disney has gotten rid of Four big dogs, including CEO, Chief Financial Officer, the CDO I just mentioned, and also the Chairman of the Board. And I think when a company does that kind of stuff, it means they're having problems. You don't, you don't get rid of all your top people when things are going swimmingly. So that's two weeks in a row that Disney has gotten rid of someone from the C-suite. C-suite is top executives, you know, C stands for chief, chief blank officer. And last week, it was a white woman that got fired, and then this week, it's Latondra, and she's a black woman. And giant woke corporations are not swimming in tons of qualified black candidates. So, I mean, you know, usually you don't, you don't fire a black um, executive officer of some sort. Because where are you going to get one to replace them? You know, you don't, you don't want to get called racist. But Disney is also in the middle of firing 7,000 people in general. And this includes low-level people like, you know, people that sell hot dogs at Disneyland and 
also hire up people, you know, produce movie producers. So I think when you're when you're firing 7,000 people, now is the time to get rid of those black employees that you you never liked them, but you're always afraid to fire them. You know, it's like, hey, you can't fire a black executive. It's like, I just fired 7,000 people, 7,000 white people. Can't I fire one black person? No, that's racist. And a few months ago, Disney fired the number two person at Marvel, which was a female Latina and a lesbian. She, had, she, she checked a lot of boxes. And so this Marvel lady and then Latondra, the chief diversity officer, they were the two people at Disney who were vocal in criticizing um, the head honcho and, tell, and saying, Disney needs to fight Florida over the so-called don't say gay bill. And so, you know, who's winning? Is Disney beating DeSantis or vice versa over the uh, don't say gay bill and then the Disneyland and the blah, blah, or Disney World? Um, you know, the mainstream media says that Disney, you know, Disney and all their diversity is crushing DeSantis. And then, you know, right-wing people are saying that DeSantis is crushing Disney. So how do you, you know, how do you know who's telling the truth or who, who, who's going to turn out to be right? Well, it looks like the top two people in charge of pushing Disney to fight DeSantis just got fired. So I think Disney is not the one that's winning. So basically, the lady making Marvel gay has been fired, and then the lady making all of Disney gay has been fired. Or queer, not gay. But, you know, that, gay is uh, not diverse enough. So LaTondra was in charge of this thing called Reimagine Tomorrow at Disney. Like, I think a chief diversity officer, it's kind of redundant to a chief human rights officer. Human rights? Human resources officer. I'm sure if some company is woke enough, they got a human rights officer too. But I was looking at the top 20 executives at Disney, and two of them are black, and they were both black women, and one was the human, human resources officer, and the other one was the diversity officer. So I think LaTondra was kind of redundant. The person in charge of hiring and firing is already a black woman. I mean, they got it covered. And so I think LaTondra was more, Disney was trying to di um, virtue signal. They're like, we'll get a whole extra executive officer and they don't even have to we'll pay them they don't have to do shit but we'll get it we'll get a whole extra black lady to do nothing to show how diverse we are and so she was in charge of this thing called reimagine tomorrow i don't know exactly what it did if 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 it did much but basically it was just a fuck white men probably straight white men thing an initiative you you might say i went and looked at the reimagine tomorrow webpage and, you know, they, they, they could make things so simple. All they needed was a white background with a little bit of black text that says, fuck straight white males. But they probably have a straight white male webpage designer who's like, I can do something much fancier than that. So anyways, their Reimagine Tomorrow website, you have to read between the lines. It's just a big, fancy webpage with graphics and text and all this stuff. And you just see, you know, you just see images and settings and blah blahs. And anyways, the one thing you won't see on there is a straight white male. 
there's women, there's people of color, there's women of color, there's retarded people, there's people in wheelchairs, there's gay people, I mean there's like gay, lesbian, black women in wheelchairs with Down syndrome. I guess that's the opposite of a straight white male somehow. And so Reimagine Tomorrow, it had a web page. Uh, you know, maybe it was just virtue signaling. I mean, I'm sure it struck the fear of God into a lot of white men at Disney who were like, I'm only a couple years away from retirement. If I can just get the hell out of here before they f do something bad to me because of my race and gender. I'm sure LaTondra cackled like an evil witch at night over that. But there was this other thing that Reimagine Tomorrow did. Um, like a year ago, there was this clip floating around the internet. I didn't know it was part of this initiative, but it was a Zoom call of high up people at Disney, I think maybe producers. And there was this black lady, I think she was some sort of queer too. And she was talking about how when she got her job at Disney, she thought that Disney was gonna be anti-LGBT and she wasn't gonna be able to do all the stuff she wanted to do. But when she got there, everyone was really welcoming and they said, no, do all the gay stuff, you know, do all the LGBT stuff you want. And then this is the quote that, the quote that's in the clip that goes around the internet. And she goes, and that's when I implemented my not-so-secret gay agenda. So, you know, Google not-so-secret gay agenda, you can find the clip. And I think that lady was in charge of um, children's cartoon programming for Disney, I don't know what, Disney Plus or something. Like basically, is Disney trying to make your kids gay? Well, they've got a not-so-secret gay agenda for their children's cartoons. I mean, I think, you know, that's pretty, pretty close to proof that they're trying to, they're trying to do something a little strange. So is Disney going to implode or change their ways? Um, we don't know. I was looking at their board of directors, um, very, very diverse group of people. I think they have like 12. And on the webpage that lists them, it says what year they started. And they almost all started in around 2018. And so 2019 was the best year that Disney ever had, especially for their movies. But I think they were just, everything was going great right before the pandemic. And remember, movies take a couple years to make. So they brought in a whole bunch of board of directors and they were not the ones that made the successful, I don't know, decisions for Disney that led to all the big movies and whatnot. So I don't know who, I don't know who it was before, but it looks, it looks like maybe they replaced a bunch of men with a bunch of women and then Disney went to shit. I mean, there's no question that the quality of like the Marvel movies and Pixar movies, etc., has just crashed and burned. Um, it also coincides with the pandemic and then it seems more consequentially this, you know, the inflation and then really the interest rate hike. So exactly which thing you get to blame, uh, you know, basically, if you're woke, you blame interest rates. If you're anti-woke, you blame woke. And then there's this other thing going on with Hulu, the, you know, the streaming video website Hulu. So Hulu was owned by Disney and Fox and Comcast, and then Disney bought Fox, so they had two-thirds and Comcast had a third. 
And then there was a contract that said that Disney had to buy the last third from Comcast. And we'll have to wait and see what exactly happens. But it looks like they may have to pay Comcast somewhere in like the 10 to 40 billion dollar range for that last chunk of Hulu. And since interest rates have gone up, banks are not giving out money like they used to. So, you know, I'm sure a few years ago, Disney could say, hey, Mr. Banker, we, w we need 20 billion to buy Hulu. And they'd be like, oh, sure, Disney, you always make great movies. My kids love your movies. Uh, but I think bankers are not gonna be giving them money now. All right, what else we got? Um, BlackRock and Juneteenth. So LaTondra, it makes me think, they used to do studies where they would send out job applications where everything about them would be the same, except they would put a stereotypical black name at the top, and then people would be less likely to call back for stereotypical black names. And so, I, you know, did LaTondra, she was so good, she beat that game? Or I think nowadays, uh, you'd be more likely to get a call back. Or at least, at least in 2020 through 2022, things may be changing now. And then the biggest shareholder that owns the most Disney stock is BlackRock. And I talked about BlackRock and CEO Larry Fink. Um, they're the, you know, they use people's retirement money to make companies be woke. But, now I heard this, I don't know if it's true, but BlackRock is no longer so concerned about making, for instance, Disney ultra-woke. They have switched over to Ukraine. And I, I did mention a couple weeks ago that uh, Larry Fink is buddy-buddy with the president of Ukraine, and he's, he wants to be the guy who's in charge of rebuilding Ukraine. And it's not clear why Larry Fink made all the Fortune 500 companies go super woke, um, if that's what he did. But maybe he's moving on now. He made Disney do it. The whole place crashed and burned. And he's like, I'm off to make money on a war. You can hang out with your gay friends. Whoops, forgot Juneteenth. So it was announced on June 20th that LaTondra got fired, or it was leaked to the trade magazines. So she may have gotten fired on June 19th. So happy Juneteenth, LaTondra. And I guess happy Pride Month, Disney. No big blockbusters came out in the theaters this week. Number one was Black Spider-Man 2. Number two was that Pixar movie that it did, it did okay for a second weekend, but it's a total flop, Pixar's Disney. Number three was Transformers in its second weekend. It's not doing good. I would say all three of those are very diverse and only the Spider-Verse one is actually making money. So whatever, Get Woke does not mean back up the money truck. The fourth mo movie was the biggest opening. Um, it was a Jennifer Lawrence comedy, I think R-rated. It made 15 million, which is pretty bad. I don't know, it's, it's, a nothing, it's a nothing weekend. And then Grace Randolph on the Beyond the Trailer YouTube channel, she's talking about it. She's, she breaks it down by race. She's woke. And so that comedy and Asteroid City, which is a Wes Anderson movie that just came out, they had too many white people or they had too few black people. And so they didn't make a bunch of money. You know, if too many white people see a movie, then that's gentrification. If not enough white people go see a movie, that's white flight. 
Yeah, black people did not go to see those movies at all. Asians are starting to punch above their weight. Um, Hispanics did not beat whites this week. They had, they had been winning um, several weeks in a row. I mean, you win if you give away your hard-earned movie to, sorry, money to see a crappy movie in the theater. It is air-conditioned. But so, you know, Grace is always criticizing whites in the audience. Um, what she is not talking about, but what I'm watching, is the international box office for all these diverse movies. And it looks like the rest of the world, I don't know if they've gotten anti-woke. They're just, you know, they've been exposed to too much anti-woke content in... Korean and then Chinese and then whatever language they got. But, uh, you know, the African-American movies that are pushing that hard, they're doing pretty good in America, and they are they're kind of, I don't know, I don't know about bombing. They're, yeah, they're, they're just about bombing overseas. And it wasn't too long ago that, like, studios didn't even care about domestic. They're like, we just want the rest of the world to watch our movie because that's where the money is. And now they're not getting the money. So, I mean, you know, Grace Randolph, she's... She's basically the mainstream media. I mean, she gets to interview, you know, Tom Cruise and other famous stars. And so if you watch her, there's no mention of black movies doing poorly overseas. But I'm sure now that interest rates have gone up and money, you know, there's not a bunch of free money that you can do a bunch of very diverse um, pandemic movies anymore. I imagine the studios are noticing this trend that they are leaving hundreds of millions, even possibly you know, occasionally a billion dollars on the table by whatever, making a movie for the domestic African-American audience, uh, which the rest of the world doesn't want to see. And you know what? It may be, I'm just, I have no idea. I'm just going to throw this out there. It may be the Black Little Mermaid pissed off the world. They're like, that's too woke. Fuck Disney. And The Blackening, which was a horror movie that came out, uh, it's second week. It didn't do good. The movie's not going to be a giant success. And I went and checked it out. It's international numbers. And there's zero. They didn't even bother opening it in other countries. And so, yeah, so this year, we got Little Mermaid and Black Spider-Man 2. Those are still in theaters. They are not doing good overseas. And then Creed 3 was the other big black movie. And it, it, it's already out of theaters, but it didn't do good. So that's, I mean, that was it. That was kind of the the big hoorah to see how things would go, and all three of them flopped overseas. But I will say the superpower that African-American audiences have is that, like, you know, Asians, they'll go see stuff with anyone, except for maybe blacks. Hispanics, they don't care. They'll see, movie, they'll see movies with anyone, uh, any colors under the rainbow as stars. White people are not racist. They don't care who it is. But anyways, black people are like, if you don't put black people in this movie, then we're not going to go see it. It's kind of like how, the, how black people control the Democratic Party. It's like, there ain't a lot of us, but we are hardcore. Start your pandering. But Asian Americans may not be down with all that. And so it may end up being a wash. Blacks won't go unless you put black people in the movie. Asians won't go if you do put black people in the movie. To a much less, well, probably to a lesser extent. But who knows, the studios will be like, Fine, just give me a light-skinned Latina. That makes me think Snow White is the Disney live-action remake that's coming out next, probably next year. And Snow White, whose, what was it, her skin was fair as snow? Anyways, whatever it was, she's a light-skinned Latina now. 
And I have a feeling it's going to be a bomb. I mean, not because of the Latina. Well, not because they chose a Latina, but because they chose this particular Latina. Because they've repeatedly been making movies in the Heights and um, Shazam 2, where they give her giant roles and then the movies bomb. So I think she'll have a third giant movie that bombs and she'll have the trifecta. And then I think it'll be time for the movie studios to go with Asian girls. And I'm alright with that. I'm still listening to the Coleman Hughes podcast with him and Razib Khan, where they're talking about the history of humans and DNA. And I left off last week. So, you know, hopefully I get these numbers within a thousand years of when they happen. So, you know, don't, uh, don't quote me. But so I left off at 2500 BC was people in the Middle East. Half of them went off to India and half of them went off to Europe. And that's what became Europeans and white people. And then that's what became kind of northern Indian people who some of them look white. They look more European. You know, some of them are actually white skinned, but anyways, they look European. And so imagine if thousands of years from now in the future, people were looking at the DNA of people in America, and then they were piecing together the, you know, the part where the, the white man and the Native American came together. Well, I mean, even, you know, just today, the proportion of Native American DNA in America is low. I think maybe America is half a percent Native American, so, you know, the DNA is going to be something like 1% of American DNA is Native American. Be my guess. And so this group of people that went to India and Europe, they're called the Indo-Aryans. And I'm not entirely clear on this, but, you know, you might have heard Aryan Nation. That's like the racist gang in, I think, West Coast prisons. And then I think Hitler was on about Aryan something something. You know, was Hitler like a short brunette and he thought that like tall blondes were the ubermensch or something so i think aryan is it probably means multiple things but i think it's like a lang it's a language group and so i think maybe some aryans are you know nice brown people or people who speak a language related to blah blah but here's the point so the india indo aryans they headed out north and south and the ones that went to europe they killed everyone there. And you can tell by how much DNA is left over from the people before them. And like the people who built Stonehenge, that's one of the early European groups. Um, I guess Britain, Britain has 10%, I guess probably of the white British people's DNA is what's left over from the, before the Indo-Aryans got there. And then the rest of Europe, they, they killed the people more, and so there's less of the, whatever, ain't, more ancient DNA. And apparently, like, 10,000 years ago, before all the stuff I'm just now talking about, um, there was, like, dark-skinned people living in Europe, but they had blue eyes. And Razib Khan is saying, you know, not everyone with dark skin looks like an African person. You can see that they're not African, they just have... Dark skin. They're a different kind of dark skinned person. And then they're talking about Han Chinese, which is the largest DNA group in the world today. 
and they're also relatively unchanged. Apparently no group went into China and killed all the Han Chinese and you know replaced their DNA. And so they're pretty similar today to how they were, I think he said 4,000 years ago. The Chinese that are real pure, or whatever you want to call it, um, are the ones who today live along the Yellow River, which I think I, think I heard of that. I think it's a famous river. And back to Europe, um, last episode I mentioned the Corded Ware people, which is an ancient type of person that used to live in Europe. And I mentioned that to my woke buddy because he likes history of people. And he's like, Corded Ware, yeah, it's a kind of pottery. And apparently it is, and they're, I forget the name for uh, the Corded Ware people, but they're like a, I don't know, a male-dominated something. Anyways, there are people where all the male DNA comes from that group, and then all the fem female DNA comes from all sorts of groups, because they used to go find other tribes, kill all the men, and, you know, uh, I think by modern consent rules, rape all the women and marry them. And so, basically, the Corded Ware people, they had men of a certain culture, and then the women were of different cultures. And I think the men, they were into baskets, and then the women who were brought in, they knew how to make pottery. And so what's famous about it is the pottery is in a style that it looks like it's a woven basket. So, you know, they, they fake, fake made it look like it was woven, even though it's just, you know, fired clay. And Khan mentions that anthropologists today are not super happy about this DNA revolution. Like, you know, I don't think I don't you know I don't think you get a job as an Indiana Jones anthropologist easily today as a young person. So I imagine all the anthropologists, right? These are old college professors. They've been doing it a long time. They're getting ready for retirement. And so they've been spending you know 35 years digging in the dirt and very carefully brushing the dust off of things that they find in the ground. And they don't want to hear that, oh, DNA says all those books you read and, or wrote and you know everything you thought, all wrong. Your entire career, totally wrong. And they mentioned some stuff that I talked about already uh, in other episodes, but Cleopatra was white, not black. She looked like a modern Greek person. Um, Egyptians have similar DNA to ancient Egyptians, except that ancient Egyptians were more white or lighter. They were not white, but lighter skinned. There was a Muslim thing that brought in black DNA later on. And then Khan is like, yeah, race is not a social construct. It's a genetic thing. But, so he's been doing this for I'm not sure, 10, 20, 20 years or something. And he says that 15 years ago, it was okay to say that race had a genetic component or, you know, it was entirely genetic or whatever. Whatever it is you might say 15 years ago based on the science, but that today scientists are woke. And so, you know, every, all the scientists have gotten the memo. You don't say that anymore. And then it's interesting. Khan is like, you know, but, you know, there's the truth. The truth, it'll come around again. It'll come around again because it's the truth. Maybe that's divisive. How can DNA help people? Khan says that 40% of babies that don't flourish, so, I don't know, 
sick babies when they're sick for you can't tell for any other reason if you test their dna you can find a congenital disease i guess a genetic disease if you got a sick baby there's a 40 percent chance you can find out their genetic d disease by dna testing and unfortunately that's probably not 23 and me you know you probably you know it's not the hundred dollar dna test i imagine it's the very expensive dna test to do that but those prices are coming down the latest American Prestige podcast has a woman on who wrote a book about the history of Jews in America. And apparently, America always had Jews. I mean, I don't know, 16, 19? I don't know. Maybe the first slave came with the first Jew, and who owned who? But until the 1880s, 1890s, there was a very small number of Jews in America, and they just, they were the same as any other white person. They probably didn't bring a lot of attention to it. And the 1880s, 1890s is also when Jews started moving to America and they didn't see themselves as just white people who prayed differently. They're like, you're white, I'm a Jew. And apparently this, there was anti-Semitism, anti-Jew stuff going on then. Kind of makes you wonder, what, you know, what, what starts what? And I know the pogroms over in Eastern Europe, like, Poland and whatnot, they were, um, the Christians were burning down whole neighborhoods, you know, killing the men, smashing the babies' heads against rocks, grabbing them by the ankle and raping the women and killing them. Um, it was that same time period, so I don't know. Maybe they didn't always have pogroms. Maybe there was a thing going on in, a, in the world in the late 1800s. That's also when Zionism started where Jews wanted to create their own country. You might have heard of it, Israel. So this lady's book covers the last hundred years. So they're shooting through stuff before then super fast. So I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'm going to tell you more, but I don't know either. But so go ahead to 1920s. Um, apparently some Jews, some Jew, one or more Jews, invented the concept of a melting pot. You know, America's a melting pot, and people move to America, and we all be, become like one kind of person. I don't know, except for black people, maybe? I don't think we let non-white immigrants move to America until like the 60s. Anywho, apparently the Jews were not integrating that well. You know, why do you create, well, you know, it's like the Bible. Why does the Bible say, love thy neighbor? Because people fucking hate their neighbors. So my guess is, why did some Jew come up with the concept of the melting pot? Because the Jews that were moving to America were not integrating, not becoming American. Okay, yeah, let's, let's say this again. So for, you know, for almost 50 years of my life, I just didn't understand why people hated the Jews so much. The long history of people killing Jews. And the answer is because Jews do not intermarry. Like, they stay to themselves. So wherever they are, they are always the other. Because they don't let no one in, and they don't join no one. And I learned last podcast, their DNA got frozen in 1200 uh, AD over in Europe. Well, that's the Ashkenazi Jews, which I believe is the type of Jews we're talking about here. That's the uh, American white kind of Jew. The other kind of Jew is the Sephardic Jew, which is the Middle Eastern Jews that I think they didn't move to Europe. They stayed in the Middle East. 
Anyways, 1920s, sounds like there's some problems integrating. And they mentioned that this is the time of race science. I guess people were going to use scientific techniques to look into differences between races. Obviously, that's racist. I guess this would be right after World War I. Um, and apparently, there were some... There was a number of Arab people who had moved to the Midwest that people were not super happy with their integration and becoming America either. Now, I'm just going to make this up. I don't know. Um, but maybe because of World War I and then the Ottoman Empire, which is, you know, that was like all the Arabs were basically one country, the, the Ottoman Empire, before World War I, and then they broke it up. And France took this part and Britain took that part and... Maybe a bunch of Arabs moved to America at that time, too. Are Jews white? Well, I guess this is a long-running debate, and the podcast gets into it. First, I just learned that since the 90s, colleges have had whiteness studies. I don't know if you can get a degree in that. Um, anyways, the guy thinks that Jews have been white since after World War II, or they became white after World War II. I guess I should say, the man and the woman on this, they're both Jews. I'm pretty sure he, he opposes Israel with all his might. I don't know about her. But she says, well, the first thing I want to say about being white is that it doesn't mean that you're bad. And I guess, you know, to her, it doesn't mean that you're bad. Obviously, being white, that means you're bad. I mean, that is, that is what is going on in America today. Whiteness is the same thing as evilness. And then she says, being white doesn't mean that you haven't suffered oppression from white supremacy. And the worst racism today is white on white, but I think she means that, whatever. There's the evil kind of whiteness, and then Jews are white, but they're the good kind. And so they, they suffered under, whatever, white supremacy, even though they were white. Boy, even when you're talking about Jews, everything revolves around whiteness. But apparently in 1790, Congress passed a law, I think it was the Immigration and Naturalization Act, and it said, uh, starting in 1790, um, sorry, 1890, um, only white people could move to America and become citizens. And under this act, Jews were included as white people. And then, not the feds, but maybe some states, she mentions Maryland, they were like, we didn't mean just any white people. We meant white Christians. And so they, they narrowed it down for that. And uh, I guess Jews could not hold office. I mean, you know, they, whatever. They were citizens, but they could not hold office in Maryland back then. And they mentioned Lebanese Christians, which I think that's a brown kind of Christian that maybe they, you know, maybe they were not allowed in. Uh, I'm not sure on that. And the lady says the reason why Jews were able to get their white on after World War II was they fought in the war and then they came back and with the GI Bill they were able to get house loans and move to the suburbs and you know white picket fence it up and that makes the guy jump in real fast and be like we're not saying that Jews you know Jews had it bad like blacks we're not saying that that would be crazy to say that and he's probably right to say that, because he's a professor at University of Washington in Seattle, which is very woke. And that's the kind of stuff that could get you fired. But the Glenn Lowry podcast went into black people and the GI Bill. 
and I covered it in, the, in this podcast, but I can't remember what the story was, but it wasn't like, okay, black people don't get it. I mean, basically, it wasn't super fair. It was a little bit of a, black people were partially screwed over, and then I think partially were, we'll blame the victim here, um, partially at fault themselves. I want to say maybe it was they just, they didn't take advantage of it. You know, not their fault, but they didn't take advantage of it. And then she's saying that depending on where you lived in America, you know, being a Jew was, well, it was different. And she mentions a guy who was a Jew in New York, and he signed up to go to some summer camp, and they're like, uh, that's not the Jewish summer camp. But then the guy moved to um, Baltimore, and there they didn't know what a Jew was. They're just like, oh, just some other white guy. Right, so I can't remember the GI Bill thing, but I think it was basically the same as redlining. The story, you know, everyone tells you it's racist as hell, but like, you know, here was the truth about redlining. Um, they drew red lines around neighborhood, neighborhoods and they did not give loans to people buying houses there. And 85% of the people in those neighborhoods were white. 85% of the country at the time was white. So it was, you know, it was just something they did to poor people. It was not racially disparate in impact. But then the difference was, is that white people were like, oh, well, then I'm going to leave this neighborhood, go to a better, go to a different neighborhood where I can get a loan and buy a house. And that's what white people did. And then for whatever reason, black people did not leave their neighborhoods and then they didn't go buy a house. And I think that was kind of how... I think that, that was the GI Bill for college. I think if something similar like that happened to black people, they could have gone to college, but they didn't. Oh, you know, it's coming back. I think colleges were like, you have to be able to read at a whatever grade level. And then the GI Bill would pay for your college, and that did not work for black people. And so I don't know what the housing part was. That was the college part. It would pay for college if you could get in. The gay dating app Grinder did a queer ad for Pride Month, June. And it's kind of funny because, you know, it used to be, what's more queer than a gay man? Uh, well, the answer used to be nothing, but now gay men are, I don't know, they're almost as bad as straight men. Gay men are cisgender, which means they identify as the gender that the doctor assigned them at birth. I think doctors don't assign gender at birth necessarily if you get a woke enough one now. But anyways, for adults, consenting adults, um, they were born long enough ago that the doctor always assigned, you know, basically their gender. Well, the first definition of gender, not the not the new, not the second. I mean, I've talked about the definition of woman. The definition of woman is, you know, words can have more than one definition. The classic definition, and still one of the definitions for a woman, is an adult female human. But now we've created another definition, which happens all the time for words, which means someone who says that they are, and then in quotes, a woman. And you know, you don't have to say it out loud, you could say it on the internet, you could say it possibly just in your own mind, but you know, maybe there's a better word for say in that definition, but... If you say, if I say I'm a woman, then I am a woman, according to definition two. And then whatever. If that matches up with what the doctor said when you were a baby, then you're cisgender. And so, you know, gay men, they're not saying that they're women. They're just saying they're men. They're, they're a normal man, but they're gay. 
you get it. But so being a gay man, that is kind of, I don't know, is it homophobic? Trans, no, it's transphobic, I guess. Because that leaves the trans people out there. I mean, you know, just like a normal man is not into trans whatever, uh, gay men are not into it either. Or maybe as much as a normal man would like to have sex with a normal woman who happens to be dressing like a man, you know, a gay, a gay man would probably like to have sex with a man. And, you know, if they dress like a woman, who cares? I'm not saying acting like a man or a woman, but just like dressing it, you know. if who, Who's a hot chick? I guess, you know, Scarlett Johansson. If you put some, whatever, if you put my overalls on Scarlett Johansson, men are still going to want to have sex with her. You know, it's just clothing. Anyways, here's the point. Are you a gay man if you're same-sex attracted? What about same-gender attracted? So, you know, do gay men want to have sex with trans men, a.k.a. men with vaginas? And the answer is, I think, no. And then that makes them transphobic. And so Grindr, the gay man um, dating app, has got this issue. So so anyway, so so they didn't add and they, I don't know. I, I'm getting this from the Blocked and Reported podcast, so I don't, I don't know, but... You know, they said they sent out a picture of a butthole to anyone within 20 miles of Grinder headquarters, and then a whole bunch of trans people showed up. And they, I don't know, the ad just, you know, just has person after person saying how wonderful it is to be queer and how they love being a part of the queer community, etc. But anyways, a number of these people had vaginas, and maybe some of them were, you know, in the middle of surgery or post-op or who knows what. And then that creates a controversy on the internet. Uh, I mean, I didn't see the controversy. Supposedly it exists. And I don't know. I think it's like, you know, should trans people be invading the gay space? Uh, Do gay people need a safe space? Can gay people be phobic? You know, if you're you're a homo, can you be transphobic? Homo can't be homophobic. Anyways, it's just amusing, I guess. Last week's Left, Right, and Center had a guy who's an expert on far-right extremism and the internet. And they brought him on as an expert on far-right stuff. And so I was like, is he going to give a definition for it? But he didn't. I'd be curious to know what he would have said. I'm sure he has his own definition. I mean, for me, you know, far right, it's just a, it's like calling someone an asshole. It's just a pejorative, it's an insult. I mean, it's an insult you use on people on the right. If someone's on the right and you don't like them, you call them far right. And sometimes you don't even have to be on the right. You know, if you're, if you're far left, then, you know, you could call center left people far right. It feels good. It's fun. And obviously he's using his January 6th to illustrate all his points. I mean, probably doesn't, Probably doesn't have anything else to illustrate his points. I mean, that's where some actual violence happened, even though there was zero murders, unless possibly the cop killing the Trumper was a murder. And, you know, Black Lives Matter riots, 570 versus 1, 15 to 25 people murdered versus zero, etc., etc. You can find all that in past podcasts. But he did say something interesting, which is that, I don't know, so-called far-right people on the internet who 
you know, congregate on forums and talk to each other or, or whatever, however people communicate with each other, they are not talking about violence anymore. Like after January 6th, people are not going on the internet and saying, we need to take down the government or whatever it is they say. You can imagine. You can imagine all the things that they say. And anyways, they're saying it a lot less on the internet. And he was saying, like, you know, you might have a forum where people talk about whatever right-wing stuff. Um, and then there'll be, you know, and then forums a lot of times have moderators who can, I don't know, kick people out and tell people, tell people what to do. You know, they're the, the people in charge. And the moderators will be telling people, hey, don't talk about that here. You know, don't talk about this here. Don't talk about that here. And, and just the other people on the forum will be like, I'm not talking to you about that. Like, you know, hey, do you want to meet in person and talk about overthrowing the government? It's like, no, and I ain't going to talk to you about that on the Internet. I mean, who knows? It could be like, you know, one guy's like, they should lower taxes. It's like, don't talk about lowering taxes. Well, fine. They should keep taxes the same instead of raising taxes. Don't talk about that here. The FBI will be at your door. And so this expert, he was saying, you know, they prosecuted a thousand January 6th people. I think there's talk about doing another thousand of them. And, uh, you know, that'll, that'll give you a little bit of a head change. And it made me wonder, like, threats of going to jail, I wonder if that works better on innocent people. I mean, I think the three most famous cases out of January 6th one was the guy with the buffalo hat who had schizophrenia. And then the other two was the head of the Oath Keepers and the head of the Proud Boys, both of which were both of which those guys were not in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And they went down hard. I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily make them innocent, but, you know, you didn't even have to be within who knows what. You didn't have to be within miles and miles, maybe hundreds of miles of the Capitol to go to prison for a long time for January 6th. So, you know, that's innocent-ish. And like I say, those are, the, those are the three most famous cases. So those are the ones I know about. There's probably, you know, out of a thousand cases, if you're on a forum talking about what happened to the J6 people, you can probably find people that are even more innocent. I mean, certainly lots of ones who just walked into a building, didn't even know there was a riot going on, walked out, got a, you know, got a slap on the wrist, probably no jail time. But so if, you know, if you think that the feds are going to take you down and come to your house at dinner time and take you away, even though you're innocent, um, you know, I think, I think it would change, it would change how you act, especially on the internet. I mean, it's like, think of, I don't know, it makes me think of a, let's say a bank robber. If you tell a bank robber, you know, the the feds are going to be looking for you and they're going to try and put you into jail. It's not going to scare a bank robber. He's like, yeah, I know, whatever. What, you know, what else is new? But if you're an innocent person who is, I don't know, talking about that bank for whatever reason on the internet and you hear they might throw you in prison even though you didn't rob the bank, uh, I mean, that would, that, would, that would really stop you in your tracks. The innocent people, I think, are easier to stop in their tracks. A couple ladies got big settlements suing their employers for racial discrimination, and one was black and one was white. So the black lady was a personal trainer at Equinox, which is some sort of fancy chain of gyms or spas. Uh, I think she worked in New York 
I believe she got $85 an hour. So I think that's more than the ladies at the local gym in Southern Oregon get. And I think she said the company was racist and she didn't really have any proof that I heard of. And then they said she showed up late for work 47 times in the last six months. And the jury said, you can't fire a black woman for being late 47 times in the last six months. That's racist. And they awarded her $11 million. And just because you get awarded $11 million doesn't mean, you know, that even there's $11 million coming to you and half of it goes to your lawyers. I, I don't, who knows how much you'll actually get. I mean, obviously it was more complicated. Um, I think she said that a manager wanted her to talk to him while another black chick was around so that the that he that he was uh attracted to so the other black chick could see that he had black friends and there was a couple other things you know about that racist so you know is that does that mean you can't fire someone if they're late for work all the time according to a new york jury i guess yes maybe it's the same manager a manager uh called another black employee autistic you know that classic trope where white people go around calling black people autistic. It's so fraught. And Coleman Hughes talks about it on his latest podcast with Chatterton Williams. And those are a couple anti-woke black guys. And I think their takeaway was, you know, managers across America, you may want to think twice about hiring a black person because this may happen to you. So this may be the cl classic case of the woke people trying to help black people and then screwing them over. And those guys, I think a lot of people, they hear 11 million, that's crazy. But uh, there, I don't know how it's broken down, but there's com compensatory damages and punitive damages. So large settlements can be justified. It's not what happened to the individual person in the individual case. You want to send a message. So if somehow this really was an indicator of woke you know, frou-frou New York gyms all being racist against black people, then you would give, you know, you'd give the lady maybe a hundred grand or whatever, how much she made in a year to pay her for that. And then you would give her, you know, the $10 million to send a message to the gym, stop being racist against other people. So if somehow the whole case is not horseshit, which it sounds like, then the large settlement could be justified. And then the white lady who worked at Starbucks, she was a big shot manager there when, um, I believe in 27, 2018, there was a couple black guys who went, to an, went into a Starbucks and they wanted to use the bathroom and hang out while they waited for someone. And they were told, Starbucks policy is you, you can't use the bathroom and hang out unless you buy something. And so the black guys were like, I think they made, they made a little bit of a scene. They were asked to leave multiple times. And eventually, Starbucks policy again is, if someone won't leave after multiple requests, you call the cops. And so, if you call the cops and the people are black, then that's racist. Uh, it was a pretty big news story back in 2018. Um, Starbucks closed down every restaurant or coffee shop for one day, and they all learned about how America's evil, and, you know, pull back your sleeve, look at your skin. If it's a light color, you're evil. And Starbucks created a new policy, which was like, 
Whatever. You don't have to buy anything. You can everyone, anyone who wants to can use the bathrooms and can hang out as long as they want. And then tons of like homeless drug addicts started camping out in Starbucks's, so that didn't last a long time. But that was the general thing going on and um anyways, the people above her at Starbucks, I think they wanted I don't know if they wanted her to fire or reprimand some white man. They were looking for a scalp. They were looking for a scalp. They're like, we need to punish some white man for what happened. Um, and so they picked a white man who was completely innocent and had never done anything racist in his life. And I forget how they picked him, but uh, she's like, I'm not going to punish an innocent man. And uh, I think they fired her. And so that was that was what she sued them over. And I don't know what state that was in. Um, anyways... She won $25 million. So again, compensatory, punitive. I mean, I agree. You know, give her, give her a dollar of compensatory and then $25 million to send a message to Starbucks and other companies. Don't be firing people for racist reasons. I mean, they probably looked around for a white guy who had been late 47 times in the last six months, but they couldn't find one. So they said, ah, fire someone anyways. Or I, I forget what they wanted her to do. Reprimand, fire, something. Well, that's all, folks. Um, Twitter handle, at AntiWokePodcast. Please go to my YouTube channel, AntiWokePodcast. Just click on the video. Don't watch it. You don't have to watch nothing. Just click on it, um, because no one's looking at them. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, and I'm going to play my advertisement, so you can, I don't know, use your other hand for the next 30 seconds, and we'll see if I ever get any money out of this crap. All right, you made it to the end.